1: Okay, um, there's so many pieces to this. I'm not going to go too long, but I, we need to hit the, the highlights. It's our Feast of the Lady, uh, our Lady of Lords. We'll talk about that in a second. But how well it works into the ordinary time of the readings today. And I think it's good for us when we open the scriptures to find out where we are and then read them and let them speak to us. Okay, and that's what we're doing today. So the first reading was the continuation of the book of Genesis. And here we hear another version of the creation of man and woman. We know there was another version earlier in the Genesis book, but this one, the woman is formed by the rib of a man, okay? Again, these are uh, religious mythology, which means they're our way in antiquity of looking back into history and trying to figure out how did all this come together? How did God create us? So the authors of Genesis put their ideas together. And there were many, many different authors. That's why there's different versions. And they were all put together under the auspices of of Solomon when when the temple, David, and when when the temple was built. So Solomon built the temple, David was the son who brought the kingdoms together. we have this version today the creation of man and woman biologically man and woman very interesting because that woman eva is is called woman because she came out of her man okay so eva becomes the handmaiden of the man they become associated as right in scripture and nobody performed the wedding by the way you know that um Man and woman become husband and wife, and Jesus in his in his theology refers back to this later on. But here it says the two become one, and that's why when a man marries a woman, a woman marries a man, they leave their homes of origin, and the two become one. Beautiful, very beautiful. Well, another aspect of that is that Mary is regarded as the first woman after Eve, the first woman of redemption, Christ being the first man of redemption. So Mary is often called the second Eve. She's referred to as that person who from her son received the grace to give us life and and faith, but from God the Father was exempt from any sin. You notice the last piece, it says, man and woman were both naked, but they felt no shame. Well, th- that was important because at that point, they were totally innocent and had no no sin, no inclination to sin until later on when the devil enters into the picture. Well, when Mary was born, we believe that she was born immaculately without sin. Now, Psychologists say, you know, everybody's born with some sort of anxiety and and we work out the anxiety as we grow in a family of love, okay? The word may change from psychologist to psychologist, but the theology of that anxiety we call original sin. So uh, flip a coin, whatever you want to call it, when people are born, they're born beautifully, but spiritually imperfect, okay? And that imperfection in the church is regarded as original sin, and that's why baptism washes that person clean, and he becomes a new person after baptism. Mary, the first woman born without original sin, becomes the new Eve in that theology. And we're gonna, okay, so I want to bring all that into the Immaculate Conception and... That's why we call today, um, when Mary appeared to Bernadette Soubirous in Lourdes, France, she identified herself as the Immaculate Conception. Uh, Little Bernadette had no idea what that meant. When she brought it to the bishop later on, he said, you know, where did you get this phrase? And this is 1856 or so, and the lady, called herself, je soy, je suis, je suis Immaculée Concession. I am the Immaculate Conception. So the, the bishop was a little suspicious because this little kid has this information up in the, the Pyrenees in, in France. Where did she get it? She's not reading Google, she's not reading uh, theology. She's a little kid, maybe 11 years old. So that gave him a little inclination that something strange was happening in the Grotto of Lourdes. We'll talk about that in a second. Jesus, in this Gospel of Mark, of course, tries to stay hidden and, you know, little by little, he's, he's being revealed. But he confronts a woman, which is very interesting, because here now a woman who's an outsider. The, the, Mark makes it very clear. She was a Syro-Phoenician. She was a Greek. She was not a Jew. She was not a practicing Jew. She was not a member of the covenant people. And she has the audacity to go to Jesus. You know, instead of audacity, read faith. She has faith in Jesus. And that's, again, when I read these scriptures, I I wanna place us there too. All of us should have the audacity of faith to always approach Jesus, never hesitate. So she goes into where he is, and she asks for a cure for her daughter. And we already explained the other day, uh, the demonic possession is illness of some sort. She was ill. And she goes in and Jesus says, I mean, you know, this is so funny. He's being like a real nudge. He's, he's sarcastic. He said, like, I came for the people of Israel. The, 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 I have to feed the people, the children of God. And should I take the word of God and throw it to the dogs? And that's, I mean, he's insulting her. Not really, he's opening up her heart to receive the next step of the message. And her response is beautiful. Even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the children's table. She's calling herself, in his metaphor, a dog. And aren't I worthy of God's feeding? So everyone is worthy of God's food. Everyone is called to God's table. And she makes it very clear, and Mark carries it on to us. Now, let me tell you, every dog but my dog eats from the scraps from the table. She doesn't, <laughs> pure and simple. Santa Ana, whose birthday it is today, by the way, um, does not eat scraps from the table. She has her own 530 meal, and we eat later, she'll come and look at us, but she doesn't eat scraps from the table, because <laughs> she's not allowed to. She probably would if she were allowed to. Okay, so so the woman receives her request. Her prayer is responded to by healing. Again, another reason for us to appreciate John Paul's declaration that this is a world day of healing for the sick. We have the power to heal one another through prayer and through medicine and through science but through prayer is our way. And we work with the the medical community to heal and to pray for healing and for the vaccination. Now, we go back to Lourdes. Lourdes is a little town, uh, nondescript, at that point, 1850s, 1856, seven, eight, and so on. On this day, this little girl, Bernadette Subaru, is gathering wood for her family fire. And she's with her, her sister and brother, and there's a breeze, but it's funny, she's looking around, there's, I don't feel anything, but there's a breeze coming from a certain area of, of the grotto, the, the stones that were there. And she looks closely, and I'm gonna summarize it because it happened over a period of, of, of months. A woman is dressed in white with a blue sash around her waist, and she's not really talking but she's, she's visible, but she's not visible to the other kids, only to Bernadette. And she's pretty. She has two roses on her feet, Bernadette says. She forgets about it, but it had a shaker because it's a grotto, it's formation of rocks. So she goes home and then she goes back the next day. And sure enough, the woman appears again. And there's a series of appearances between now and and July. This is February. And each time, Bernadette is given more insight as to who this woman, this very pretty woman is. Demure, white outfit, light coming from the back behind her in the grotto. And little by little, she tells Bernadette two interesting, many other things, but two interesting things. Bernadette wants to know her name because the authorities, they want to know this kid's having a, 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 some sort of out-of-body experience. She said, not, you know. So she asks her, you know, I got to go back and tell them your name. I am the Immaculate Conception. I am Mary, the one who was conceived immaculately. Okay, some of that hits Bernadette, but it really hits her when the woman says, pray the rosary. So they pray, they pray the rosary together. There's a woman in a grotto in the middle of the Pyrenees and they're praying the rosary and it gets better. She goes back another time and the woman asks her to dig a little bit in the earth. It was dry area and she digs and she digs and water comes out and she washes her face and it's mud. She washes her face. Now, those who were there with her think she's really lost it, because no one else can see Mary but Bernadette. Eventually, water flows from that area, flows, and it's healing people. People are coming and washing and bathing, and there are many, many healings attributed, physical, concrete, and emotional healings attributed to the water coming out of that area. To this day, Thousands have declared healing there, but the church very cautiously has only absolutely certified around 50. I mean, think of that. Over 200 years, thousands of people have attributed healing, emotional and physical healing, to the water of Lourdes, but the church says science cannot respond and answer why these 50 are healed. Okay. Okay. A few years ago, we were there. It is a huge piazza in front of the church, and the church is built over the grotto. The church is magnificent. And we got there. It was a weekday. Before we got there, we saw people processing, walking from all over France, walking there. When we got there, it was a huge piazza. You could hear a pin drop. And there were a lot of people, but you could hear a pin drop, so quiet. That's what impressed me. Nothing miraculous, but just so holy. Around the the periphery of the piazza are hospitals and hospices, places for the ill to come, and hospices, like hotels, for people who are visiting and staying a few days. Pilgrimages go there all the time. Millions of people each year go there. And the baths, be- the water became baths and it's <laughs> literally ice cold and people who want to line up and the association, associations have made uh, it convenient. The, you strip, you put a little white robe on and they dunk you into the water and take you out and then you dry and you go off. And you've been bathed in the waters of Lourdes. I've never done it. <laughs> I can't imagine how cold the water is. I've drank that water and, and brought that water home, uh, but never been bathed in in the waters of Lourdes, but those who have associated with a great deal of healing. Not a dogma of faith, make it clear. It's a tradition of the church. Mary as mother of God is a dogma, which means it's, it's one of our teachings. Mary as the Immaculate Conception, a dogma, but Lourdes, a tradition that is authenticated by the church. A beautiful rendition of how Mary gets to you and gets to me. And as Jesus dealt with that woman, she's the woman to go to. You want to get to Jesus? Adiesum per Mariam to Jesus through Mary.